December 22nd, 2022. Let's continue in Masechet Berachot. We're on Daftet Amud Bet. Eight lines from the top, the first word on the line. The Gemara just beforehand had been talking about Yetziat Mitzrayim. And uh, while talking about Korban Pesach, we got into Derashot, extrapolating ideas and concepts from Pesukim with regards to Am Yisrael's Yetziat, their exodus from Egypt. So the Pasuk says, uh, before we left Egypt, Pasuk describes how HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed the favor of the people of Am Yisrael in the eyes of the Egyptians, and in turn, as we know, they gave them they gave them gold and silver, they gave them from the riches of Egypt. But the Pasuk doesn't just say, it says, Explains Maharsha, that's what the Derasha and the Gemara is really picking up on. Vayesh Ilum makes it appear as if that extra mem, this was against their will. It was against the will of someone. Vayesh Ilum says the Gemara, Amar bi Amem Lamed, Shehesh Ilum Be'al Korham. The giving up of that possession, the handing over of those riches, was against the will of either the Egyptians which is easier to understand. Obviously, they don't want to part with their gold and silver, or alternatively, against the will of Am Yisrael. Now, we do already have in mind, perhaps, the words that we saw in the Gemara last time, and that is the Gemara described how Am Yisrael perhaps were not interested in this. They just wanted to get out. You turn to a person who's in prison, and you say, but before you leave, you've been in prison for 200 years, your family, just stop at the office for, for some extra money uh, for your way. I, I, I don't know if I want, I just want to get out. So we can already... A kind of associate uh, the hesitancy on the behalf of Am Yisrael with that sort of mindset. The Gemara will suggest a bit more. Firstly, it says the Gemara, Ikade Amre, that means Yeshe Omrim, there are them, some who explained, Be'al Korham de Misraim, this was against the will of the Egyptians. That much again is easily understood. The Ikade Amre, and there are others who alternatively suggest that the against the will taking and handing over of these riches was Be'al Korham de Israel against the will of Yisrael. Just textually speaking, says the Gemara, if you look at the Pasuk, uh, Pasuk in Tehillim says, Dichtiv, Pasuk says, Univat bayit tehalek shalal. The Chachamim understand this as a reference to Am Yisrael, and the words, specifically in the context of leaving Egypt, tehalek shalal. It means they'll split up the spoils. Now, spoils of war are not something that's given over willfully. As a result, the vision of we'll split up that which we got, which is spoils of war, means it was against the will of the Egyptians. So instead of turning to a pasuk in the Torah, per se, it turns to a pasuk in Tehillim, which seems to clearly, at least read through this prism, uh, imply that Am Yisrael did this against the will of the Egyptians. This was spoils of war. We might not have a pasuk we can point to, but we can give logic for why Am Yisrael perhaps, perhaps would not want or did not need the gold and silver at that time. Mishum Masui. Masui means it would be, be a burden. It would be heavy. We just want to get out of Egypt. We want to get out swiftly and quickly. Having even riches could hold us back. Says the Pasuk in its continued words, Vayinaselu et Misraim. In other words, Vayinaselu, uh, that word, Vayinaselu, is hard to translate. Rashi, at the top of the page, three lines down, the last few words, he cites three, the last three words on the third line from the top. Vayinaselu, says Rashi, Ketargumo verokinu. He quotes from the Targum Unkelus on that Pasuk in the Torah. The word Vayinaselu, according to Unkelus, means verokinu. Rek, of course, means empty. 
Verokinu means they emptied Egypt. Vainaselu then is translated as emptied. Now, that's what you need in mind for this first dirasha here in the Gemara. Amar melamed, the significance of these, this word in the Pasuk, which again, we're translating and understanding as emptying Egypt, is Shehasawa kim suda badagan. Am Yisrael, by taking the Jewish, the, the, the people who were leaving Egypt, by taking that money and spoils of war of sorts uh, from the Egyptians, they left Egypt in the following, we give a parable type of situation. If a person puts out a trap in order to, uh, tr- to, tr- to entrap um, birds, Rashi says, uh, what you'd do is you would place dagan, you'd place grain at the bottom of it, and then the birds would come down, and then you, you catch them in that net or whatever trap you have down. What if you have the trap without any dagan, without any of the grain? Of course, no birds are coming to it any longer. The parable, or the nimshal, the other side of this in turn, is like this. The reason Egypt was an empire to contend with, people, the reason people were threatened in the other nations, the reason they got respect and were able to levy taxes upon other other nations and have relationships with them was because of their wealth. Now that Am Yisrael emptied them of that wealth, they left them like that trap which was out there, but nobody's lured into it, nobody's interested in it. Effectively, they disempowered, they took away any of the strength that Egypt had. Instead of reading it as Verokinu, as Unkulus, as Rashi was telling us in that first interpretation, read the words Vayinaselu and understand their Shorish, it's Kimitsula. She'en dagim mesula, Rashi explains, and it's milashon sel, it's shady, it's dark, it's a reference to the deep seas. Now, it's true today we are familiar with certain living organisms and fish that live in the deep seas, but the vision of the hachamim and the general standard interpretation, understanding of where fish reside and where they swim and live is usually on the banks of the river or of the ocean. They want to get to the area where people or, or things might fall in and they can eat in that sort of fashion. They have easier access to it. In the deep sea, oftentimes there's a vision, there's less fish there. As a result of that imagery, that's the mitsula. They left Egypt, again, empty, uh, so to speak, with regards to fish, as opposed to birds not going into the trap, it's the ocean in the areas where it's emptied of fish. The truth is, fish is something that we do, for one reason or another, associate with Egypt. It's what Am Yisrael say later on, Zacharnu et we remember the fish which we ate in Egypt. Okay, so then the reference then in this context is kind of understood through uh, that direction, from that direction. Says the Gemara onward in fleshing out and finishing our conversation about Yitzhiyah Misraim, let's talk for a moment about the conversation that began it all. Of course, it's the conversation between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Moshe at the burning bush. Uh, Moshe, before going to Am Yisrael to begin the Exodus, to start taking them out of Egypt, he says, well, what's your name? What am I going to tell Am Yisrael your name is? Now, this is very uh, instructive if you read it inside together with me. It's on the left side, the left-hand side of the page. V'yomer Elohim el Moshe shemot peregim pasuk yodalid the initial response of God to Moshe is, My name? Oh, it's Ehyeh, Asher Ehyeh. Literally, I guess, translated as, I will be that which I will be. And then God repeats, but he changes something. He says, Therefore, God says, This is what you should say, Ehyeh, I will be, Shalahani Alechem has sent me to you. Wait a second. God, you just told me you're Ehyeh, Asher Ehyeh. How come when I'm going to speak to Am Yisrael, you're telling me, but just say, Why not, Which one is it? Is your name that double mention of, 
or is it the singular, Ehyeh, what chain? So with the Hachamim picking up on that discrepancy, they inject the conversation in the middle. They say the initial words of God to Moshe were, Ehyeh, Asher Ehyeh. Then Moshe questioned, we don't see that in the text, therefore God responds, say Ehyeh. Here's how it goes, Gemara. Ehyeh, Asher Ehyeh. Amar leha kadosh baruchu Moshe. This is Kivyachol, what God was saying to Moshe at that time. Lechem or lahem Israel. Go tell the nation, Ani hayiti imachem b'sha'ibudzeh. I was together with you, whether you felt it or not. I was there through this servitude, through the hardships of slavery of the course of over 200 years in Egypt. The Ani, but furthermore, that was the initial Eheyeh. The second Eheyeh, Eheyeh I'll be together with you when any other king or monarchy or nation will take control of you, not Egypt any longer, I'll still be with you. That's Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh. Turns Moshe to God. I'm saying these words before the Gemara will tell us the real words that they envision. Oh, one second, God. That's really moving. Let me tell you, that makes it clear to us that you'll always be with us. You were with us and you'll always be with us. However, in this moment, maybe not so appropriate. In this moment, we're finally thinking about freedom. In the moment where you're telling us, where you're telling the nation, I'm going to take you out, you're telling them at the same time, but there will be future situations of slavery. Maybe we should hold off on that. In other words, I come to you, and you're in the hospital, I say, listen, I'm here, and I've been here for you, and I'll be here for you the next time you're in the hospital. Well, what do you mean the next time I'm in the hospital? Just tell me I'm going to get out, and you've been here for me. Why mention that? Although it's very significant, although it makes clear that I'm really with you through the ins and outs uh, for eternity, the mention in this moment may be for people, for human beings thinking with um, with emotions in a sensitive fashion, maybe it's insensitive. Amalefanav, this is the in-between conversation that was left out, so to speak, from the Torah. Daya lesarata b'sha'ata. Moshe responds to God and he says, "Chalas, daya, enough for the sarah, for the sorrows in its time. Don't tell us about future sorrows. We're dealing with these sorrows. Just tell them I was with you, and now I'm taking you out." Amaleha kadosh baruchu. God kivyachol agrees with Moshe and says. Therefore, go and say to them, Just one mention, instead of, and I'll be with you in future servitudes, hardships of slavery in the fu- in, 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 uh, to come. Says the Gemara onward, all right, now that we've been on a tangent of a tangent, let's go on to a tangent of a tangent of a tangent. Now that we've been talking about double wording right before our next Mishnah, let's talk about another place of significant uh, um, uh, appeal to us as a people. It's the story in Sefer Melachim Aleph, the story of Eliyahu at Har HaKarmel. The story, which I'm sure many of us are familiar with, is one in which there are Nevi'eha Ba'al, Izevil Ahav, the reigning monarchy of Am Yisrael at that time, gets swayed by these false prophets of Avodah Zarah. Eliyahu needs to turn the people away from that. He stages this whole scene at Har HaKarmel. The Nevi'eh HaBal have an opportunity to prove their truthfulness by having their God or their deity accept a sacrifice that they're going to offer up on that mountain. Of course, it doesn't happen. They try and they dance and they sing and they scream and it doesn't. Then Eliyahu, after a whole scene, after adding water to the, to the, to the, to the mixture, uh, screams out to God, but he has a double wording. He doesn't just say to God, please respond, please listen. He says, Aneni, Adonai, Aneni. Why a double response to Eliyahu. Again, why is this in our Gemara? Only because of the Eheyeh, Asher Eheyeh double. We have a double over here as well. But what's with that double? Amar Biavau, Amar Eliyahu Aneni, Lama Amar Eliyahu Aneni, Shete Why is it that Eliyahu turns to God and has a double 
petition, request, demand of responding. It teaches us that Eliyahu Kivyachol says to God, Ribono Shelodah, Master of the Universe. Number one, Aneni, just respond, please. Respond with uh, fire, which will come down and consume anything and everything that's on the altar. However, furthermore, even after that happens, what are the people going to say? How they can interpret this? Also, turn their minds. Help them appreciate this. I don't want, and I can't let this um, descend to a point where they watch it and see it, but then they end up saying, oh, but that was just sorcery, witchcraft. It was some sort of magic that Eliel pulled on us. Don't just do it. Please, furthermore, sway their hearts. As the Pasuk describes in the past, God, you turned their hearts backward. In other words, it seems to be the reference over here. Although you... um, did in the past in one direction, now turn their hearts in another direction. Always be able to open their hearts to understanding this and appreciating what's actually taking place, that it's your response to me. Okay, next Mishnah deals with Kiryat Shema for Shahrit. We've until now been talking about Kiryat Shema Shel Arbit. First time, final time, Kiryat Shema Shel Arbit. I say until now, parts of the Gemara, but certainly the first Mishnah. The next Mishnah, and uh, some of the ensuing conversation in the Gemara, will be about Kiryat Shema Shel Shahrit. Ask the, ask the Mishnah, much as the first Mishnah did, but instead of um, Kiryat Shema Shel Arbit, Me'ematai Korinet Shema B'Shahrit. What's the first, and in turn, we'll deal with the final time, of saying Kiryat Shema in the morning. B'Shoch Becha U'Komecha. B'Komecha means when you wake up. What's the first time? For the waking up Kiriachima. Answers the Mishnah, first opinion. Mishiyakir ben Techelet Lelavan. It's when you're able to distinguish between the colors Techelet, this light blue. Rashi describes it as Yarok, maybe greenish, you know, aqua type of color, and white. Now, Rashid did not have access to the Techelet that we have today, so his description of such is not per se perplexing if you look at your Techelet or someone's Techelet and it seems to be more bluish than greenish. But the answer of the Mishnah then is the first time is when you can distinguish between those two colors. The Gemara will wonder, those two colors in what context? Uh, on different strands, on one strand? On, we'll deal with that in the Gemara. The next opinion first, Rabili Ezer Omer ben Techelet Lekarti. White and blue is already discernible earlier than a bluish-greenish and a greenish-yellowish. Karti, I think, is leek, right? And uh, as a result, they're much more similar colors, Techelet and Karti. It means it's a later time in the morning, at which point you would describe it as Bekumecha, as the time you're waking up. So the first opinion, that of Hachami, maintain the first time is earlier, when it's the difference, even in the darkness, without electricity, whatever, to be able to discern just from the beginning uh, glimmers of light between white and Techelet. Second opinion is, no, 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 it needs to be later, where even you need to be uh, attentive to the nuances of Techelet and Karti. What's the final time of Kiryat Shema? Says the Mishnah, Ad Henet HaHama. That's until the sun rises above the mountains. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, he disagrees. You have until three hours. We assume it's Mahloket, we're talking about Sha'ot Zemaniot, but three hours into the day. Why three hours into the day? Shikin, Derech Melachim La'amod, Beshalosh Sha'ot. 
because that's the time that kings will awaken and will get up from bed. So it's mahlokit here in the Mishnah about how we're defining Bekumecha. Is Bekumecha the general standard average time that people will begin waking up? Or is it alternatively, even if it's a minority, but it's kings of sorts, Derech Melachim, to wake up three hours, that's still Bekumecha. Question? means sunrise. Hene Tzahama. It's, it's, it's an opinion that says the latest time in the morning to do it is sunrise. Um, yes. The latest, not yes. the earliest. Mm-hmm. That's, our, that's our first opinion here in the Mishnah. That's right. If you're not familiar with that, you generally assume it's the best time to do it. Um, yeah. That's right. Yeah, according to this opinion, it's, it's It's only until the sun rise, until it rises above the mountains. Be Again, it's harder to appreciate even that opinion. Of a very small time. A very, very small time. Um... I, I don't, From dawn to sunrise, I don't know what that is. Right. It's it's furthermore, in today's day and age, very um, impractical because people, generally speaking, wake up much later. Um, you know, with the with with electricity and and later nights and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, what's with derech uh, melachim? So again, derech melachim is just the time that kings would wake up. Furthermore, Maharsha points out. Like you might recall the Gemaran Daf Vav. The Gemaran Daf Vav described how the kings of the world prostrate themselves to the sun, right? They have Kitrehem Berashehem. It was the time, if you recall, the Gemara said, when is it that God is angered? What's that moment of Hema, of anger in front of God? It's when they prostrate themselves to the sun because they worship the sun, the kings of the other nations in the world. So to a certain extent, then the Mishnah is countering that with this opinion, it be Yehoshua. It says the three hours when the kings wake up, when our, when the kings wake up, our people are being Mekabel Omar Chuchamayim. That's the latest time for Kabbalat Omar Chuchamayim because it's directly, directly countering all that wrongful activity in this world. All right, anyways, so it concludes the Mishnah, and the Gemara will comment on each of these segments, especially this last one, uh, which is you know, most difficult to a certain extent. Someone who says Kiryachima from that time and onward, either Heneta Hama, the first opinion, or alternatively from Shaloshaot, that second opinion, uh, that of Rabbi Yoshua. Lo hifsid, you didn't lose. You didn't. You didn't lose what? Well, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah of kriyat It's later than the time. Adam Torah. It's no different than a person who's reading from the Torah. So you get sachar Talmud Torah. Is that a hidush? Why is that necessary for the Mishnah to mention that to us? Okay, we'll have to debate what those words actually mean in the Gemara. Let's just read the first. Mention it in in the other Mishnah. Same thing about Arbi. Interesting point. Agreed. Add that to the questions. Great, great point, Victor. Add that to the questions. The fact that we mentioned these words, how come you didn't have that in the first Mishnah? Our first Mishnah told us the final time of Kiryat We had three opinions. Why weren't the final words of our first Mishnah? Why is it specifically on this Mishnah? Add that to the equation of of, of problems or, or of difficulties in understanding what those words actually mean. We'll have to return to the meaning in the Gemara. Let's just read the first three lines here in the Gemara, which comments on those first words in our Mishnah. First opinion in our Mishnah, that of Tanakhama, I might call it Hachamim, was first time of Kriyat in the morning is Mishiev Hain, when you're able to distinguish Mishiakir, Ben Techelet Lelavan. Says the Gemara, Mai, what does it mean when we said Ben Techelet Lelavan? What's the distinction between that light blue-ish color and white? Ilema, maybe it means ben gibava de amra hivra le gibava de amra tithilta. 
maybe it's the difference between um, a shearing of wool, which is dyed white, uh, excuse me, it's not dyed at all, and, and a shearing of wool, or maybe it is if it was brown, it's dyed white, and a shearing of wool, which is dyed light blue. Maybe that's what it means. I have a, you know, some sort of wool strand, which was sheared, more than strand, it's thick, and one is blue and one is white. That's the difference. That's the Gemara. That's very easy to distinguish. Even in, not pitch black, but even in the nighttime, when you're outside and you have the light of the moon or whatever it is, you'd be able to distinguish between those two. Uh, that that's not a marker for the beginning of the morning at the time that you'd say bekumecha yikatei keriachema. Rather, ela rather perhaps it means bentechelet sheba lelavan sheba. It's rather talking about one shearing of wool, and one piece has been dyed techelet light blue. But there are portions Rashi explains that have light blue in it where it's soaked in. And as a result, it actually shows and portions where it didn't as much go in. You need a finer eye. You need to be able to look at that closer and be able to have a little bit more light to pick up on one. You could look at the general thing and say, oh, that's light blue. As opposed to that, that's white. But to look at it and say, oh, this is the light blue part and that's the white part, you need a finer eye and you need a better light in order to distinguish on the same piece between the areas where the dye actually set in and the areas where the dye kind of passed over or didn't set in. Tosafot questions this interpretation of Rashi based on several or uh, one or two questions that they have on Rashi. Uh, one of them is the Gemara Masechim Menachot, which suggests that Ur Item Oto, the idea in Kiryat Shema of seeing the Techelet, it says Ra'a or Re'e Mitzvah Zo Sheba Talui Mitzvah Acheret. It says that the idea of Techelet in our Sisit isn't somehow affiliated with the mitzvah of Kiryat Shema. And it's a reference to this idea of being able to distinguish between Techelet and Lavan. Now, according to Rashi, you might just say, you look at it and you see your Sisit and it makes you think about Techelet in general, which is, you know, for Kiryat Shema, says Tosafot, based on one or two other questions, it's more fine than that. The idea in our Mishnah is not talking about a single strand where it has white areas and blue areas. It's rather talking about the the combination of many strands which are together and not in Tzitzit being able to look at that and distinguish between the light blue and the white. It's just a question in technicalities, maybe practically as well, with regards to what does it mean between Techelet and Lavan Sheba, according to Rashi, it means on a single shearing. According to Tosafot, it means actually on your Sisiot, the difference between Lavan and Techelet Sheba. Uh, the next Beraita in the Gemara will present different opinions. I guess we'll begin with that next time with regards to uh, the beginning time for Kiryat Shema, because we saw in our Mishnah too, we saw Mishiyakir ben Techelet le Lavan, we saw the Second opinion, Mishiyakir ben Techelet lekarti. This next beraita that the Gemara records has several other opinions. We'll continue with that next time. Baruch Adonai Amen.